Take it away, Derek. What's your question? Why do you guys talk about comics so much? Comic books. Motherfucker, do you read them? 18 years. <laughs> Toothbrush is still fresh. Did they have sex? Because, I mean, she Hulk, you know. Damn it, Tony. We went an entire episode without mentioning Maggot, and then you ruined it. Comic books. Motherfucker, do you read them? Batman's got his little fishbowl on his head, but <laughs> Superman doesn't. Cyclops was right. Except when he was wrong. Master Bruce, you are calm. I'm going to silently judge all of you. Shut up, beast. <laughs> Shut up. Like I've read it so many times, you know, it pretty much just crumbled in my hands. Come on, old chum. Comic books. Motherfucker, do you read him? See, I didn't hate Hellcat until you made me read this miniseries. It was just a joke, but you made it real, Justin. No. You made it real. I, I prefer my Dazzler singing, like, Creedence Clearwater Revival songs at Australian bars. Titty discs. And... <laughs> That's what to be known as from now on. Like, I'm going to go into the Marvel Wikipedia and Whatever it is. <laughs> the worst titty discs. <laughs> get better than that. Comic books. Motherfucker, do you read them? Hey, guys. Welcome back to another spectacular stupendous totally promotional episode of fan holes comics motherfucker do you read them hey what's up guys this is derek derek wc i'm going to be one of your tie-in hosts tonight and i am not alone i've got two count them two of my fellow promotional fan holes here with me tonight why don't you guys shout out and let everybody know who's here tonight hey it's mike and i have five points of articulation this is justin and i am free with every listen of down fan holes podcast all right so yeah so we are here we're here talking some comic books we actually have a theme for this episode that was proposed by mike and the theme is that of promotional tie-in comic books so justin mike and myself we all came up with tie-in slash promotional comic books to discuss for this evening and it's funny like i guess me and mike have to arm wrestle because i think our comics came out the exact same year i'll, I'll let mike go first but uh, as far as chronological goes, uh, we are going to start with Justin. So I'm going to ask Justin to tell the listeners like what what comic he brought, and hopefully give us a, a, a maybe a Justin style synopsis, and then and then we'll talk about it for a little bit. My comic is the true story of Smokey Bear. It is about the story of Smokey Bear. The end. <laughs> No, okay. seriously, this comic is about how how a little bear survived a forest fire, and he was nursed back to health and adopted by some rangers, and he ended up becoming this this mascot for the you know only you can you know, stamp out forest fires, you know that that campaign. I think I still have a copy of this somewhere in storage. Like I haven't seen it in a long time, but. And it's not my original copy. I think I ended up with multiple copies over the years because the first time I remember getting this was probably in kindergarten. And if I remember right, they used to have someone in like a a Smokey the Bear, like, you know, like mascot, you know, like a mm. sports mascot yeah, kind of yeah. suit. They would come to the school and, you know, kind of talk to you about, you know, the dangers of playing with matches and you know make sure you if you go camping you know make sure you put out your fire and all this stuff 
you know, there'd, there'd be someone in a little suit, you know, for all the kids to be like, wow, it's Smokey the Bear. And then they gave out copies of this comic. And I don't know, I always, I always thought this comic was pretty neat because, one, it's actually, I think the first copyright on this is like 1960. And I always thought it was kind of neat that uh, I was reading something, you know, reprinted from back then. And then the art is, I don't know, it's kind of like, it's just, I don't know if this makes sense, but it's it's like classic comic book art. And I I don't know who the artist is. I didn't do any research into into this comic or even to Smokey the Bear because I figured if I didn't do it, Derek would do it anyway. So, but yeah, the, I I always liked this even even as an adult. This tells a pretty you know a pretty concise story. You know, there's this big forest fire, and you know after the forest fire there's this one little bear he's still clinging to a, a burnt out tree and these people who are you know trying to put out the fire and everything like they they find him and they nurse him back to health and you know put little bandages on his paws and you know they're like you know spoon feeding him and brushing his fur and everything and then he's like playing with the little kids and then they put a hat on him and there's posters of him everywhere he's on tv and then all of a sudden he's like you know wearing pants and he's talking you know only you could prevent forest fires uh, I don't know it's it's charming I don't know I, I always had a soft spot for this comic had you guys ever read this before or was this just something like in my neck of the woods so to speak I, I'm familiar with the the figurehead and or you know uh, you know preventative mascot. character mascot of Smokey the Bear mm -hmm. I think I remember mostly from a lot of the commercials and stuff like that you know that's what I distinctly remember about Smokey the Bear or Smokey Bear but as far as like this comic book like this this was the first time I had ever read the story I mean you know what's great about this you know what I really like because it's it's it believe it or not it's it's a Dell comic book or a gold key comic book, right? And so, mm. like, that's okay. that that's the thing that that you know, because I'm like, oh, I get it. They went around, you know, the copy you got was obviously like the, you know, the promotional, the free copy, right? And and it's and it's mm -hmm. interesting you're talking about like the years, right? Like, because they had the you know the copyrights. It's like one says like you know 1968 or 1969, and another one says like 1971. So you know this this you know they they published and and reprinted you know this story and everything but then i i was looking into it because i'm like oh are there more and and like there are more comic books basically so like there's like this true story of smoky bear like actually originally was as far as I can tell. I mean, I, I could be way off on this, but as far as I can tell, like you know, you know how like Dell always has their their goofy ass fucking numbering that drives me up a fucking wall, like because it's like they basically printed like whatever the fuck they wanted. It, 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 uh -huh. It's it's like our podcast feed. Like like Dell's numbering is like our podcast feed. We've got fifty billion different shows, and it, it, pretend like we all numbered them. Like if we had Dell numbering, like this wouldn't be you know episode seventy whatever. It would be like you know episode you know five hundred thirty seven point A of fan, you know like whatever it was, right? And 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 it's kind of like the same thing. So Dell had a series called Four Color Comics, and Four Color Comics 
932 has basically, I think that was called Smokey the Bear, His Life Story. But the first story in that comic book, which was printed in 1958, and I presume that's the first time the story was printed, period. And then, you know, they made it into a, a promotional comic book and all that kind of stuff. Like, that has the true story of Smokey Bear as the first, you know, story in in the entire thing. But then, then it goes on to, like, have other other, like, chapters and other things, and those are, you know, not the true stories. Those are kind of more, it's more the mascot adventures, I guess. You know, it's like, it's like the, the, the I guess, I guess maybe it would help to, to discuss, like, the divergence even in this story, because it's like, th th this is the part I'm going to single out at least, right? Because it's like, so they, they tell you the true story, right? And, you know, impressively enough, like, Everything is pretty much the God's honest truth, like all the way up to probably Smokey Bear getting pants. Okay, which drives me nuts because I'm like, I'm like, uh, like yes, there was a there was a fire. Uh, like yes, some idiot person probably started it. the 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 thing I thought was weird was this. This is how deep Justin got me into it. So you know the scene where they say like, dude, they they. They called everybody from Texas, like, everybody's fighting this fire, like, it's really fucking bad. And then they talk about the 24 guys that, like, they're they're making the line, and there's a ground blaze and all this other stuff, and they try and try, and then it's like, oh, shit, this isn't gonna work. And they all fucking lie down, and the guy's clothes are catching fire, and they're, you know, stamping out people's, you know, jackets that are catching fire and all this shit. So, basically, in the... The, this comic, right? It, it says there's 24 men. And then, and then as the fire, you know, I guess fades away or whatever the heck happens after like an hour, the fire rages itself out. Like these 24 guys all count each other and they're like, it's a miracle. We're all alive. And they find, you know, Smokey, basically he's named thereafter, you know, hanging on like a tree. Right. And they were the ones who basically kind of, you know, adopted him or whatever. Right. I looked, and maybe you know, maybe we shouldn't believe everything we read on the internet. But there's a there's a website which seems fairly official. It's actually SmokeyBear.com. So I assume SmokeyBear.com is fucking official, okay? And <laughs> and SmokeyBear.com talks about this same story, but they actually say thirty firefighters. So I'm kind of like. Hmm, okay. So there's there's some discrepancy. I mean, obviously it happened like a long ass fucking time ago. So there's probably some discrepancies in it, but that was something I noticed where I was just kind of like, "Oh, okay, was it 30? Was it 24? Like what what's the deal with that?" And I guess once you get to the point where they cuz they, you know, they bandage his paws cuz his paws were all burned and all this other stuff and then he becomes the mascot and they talk about how they flew him in the plane to Washington and all that other stuff. Like all that stuff is is true, right? I think that you know, that even the television stuff with the commercials is fairly true except for maybe it was like animated or like you said mascots and all this other stuff. It's not like the actual little bear was, you know, doing tons of commercials or whatever, right? But at this one point, they basically say, after he's done all this, he, you know, 
they 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 tell you the truth on page i think it's like page um 17 right but then the pictures tell you a different story because the truth is this like soon he will get a new home in the washington zoo and he will never be lonely again so he was a mascot he was made an honorary forest ranger like all that stuff is true he he fucked around with hats and ate hats and all this other stuff and people sent him like you know honey jars and you know you know stars that visited him gave him like boxes of oranges and stuff i think it was like i think it was like gene audrey or i i forget who but somebody somebody came over Hopalong cassidy i think it was came over and gave him like a box of oranges and sung songs with them and all this other stuff so anyway so it says he's gonna get a home in the washington zoo that's what happened he he went to live in the washington zoo he was well taken care of he was the mascot and i i think mike mentioned this before we started the show but he he did pass in 1970 right so he lived a nice life he was in the zoo he was a mascot and and he he passed away you know a, a ripe old age of whatever he was like you know 20 something years old you know Smokey the bear right in the promotional book even though it tells you he's going to go to the zoo the pictures show him in a zoo but he's got a ranger station and it it has his name it says his ranger station and then it proceeds to show him wearing his hat and wearing his fucking pants in panel three i don't you you know what's funny i i, I desperately wanted to know like where like what wh why what who gave him pants? Why is he wearing pants? There's no answer to this, right? But I'm still, like, looking. And so, like, I'm looking. There's, like, an old Rankin-Bass special and shit. And you know what? You know what drives me nuts about that is, like, there's explanations. Like, the blue pants and the ranger hat, like, comes from the government, right? So, like, they sent him that, and he puts them on, right? But you know what drives me nuts about that is, in the Rankin-Bass special, him and his uncle... He has an uncle bear in the Rankin Bass special. He's got a whole. He's got all kinds of family. Like his mom, his mom's wearing a fucking apron in the Rankin Bass special, and they fucking kill her off screen. Like it's like, oh well, Smokey s survived the fire, but sadly, the that mom you saw earlier with the apron, she went out looking for Smokey, and well, she's fucked. You know, and I was like, whoa, like that's messed up. But anyway, so. I'm like, where does he get, you know, and, and he gets the pants from, from Washington, but what drove me crazy about the Rankin-Bass special is he was already wearing pants. Like, the the, the little Smokey was already wearing, like, because they tell this little bear cub. It's also, sorry, I'm going to go on a complete tangent about this, but this is this is what was going through my head. You know what else this is like? So so when you read the other Dell comic books, right, because they, they turn him into this adventure mascot, right? Because at the end of it, the last two pages are basically sort of what's bullshit, like that he's got this ranger station and he's fighting fires and he's got his blue jeans, right? And you're like, what the fuck? Like, bears don't run around wearing blue jeans and stuff. But anyway, that's, that's the character, right? So if you read, like, the other stories it's like uh, this is probably going to only apply to me but it, it's like watching kissy fur like like the nbc show kissy fur where there were personified bears and they lived in the bayou and they drove around in speed boats and all this stuff and kissy fur was like a little baby cub bear and then the father you know drove him around in the uh you know the 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 speed boat and all this other stuff and he was like the I don't know, the fucking Bayou Sheriff or whatever the fuck he was, right? And he was the older bear, right? 
And if you read the the Dell comics, Smokey the Bear is the older bear. But there's a little kid bear who they call Little Smokey. But this is this is where it gets really all pre-crisis Wonder Woman fucked up because if you actually pay attention to the real true story of Smokey Bear, when those rangers, those 24 guys or 30 guys or whoever it was, like, saved Smokey, they didn't just call him Smokey because he was a cub. They called him Little Smokey. And then, quote-unquote, Little Smokey grew up to be the mascot, you know, and, and when, when Hopalong Cassidy goes and visits him at the, the Washington Zoo, he's like, you know, a, a mountain bear, right? This big black bear is like, give me my fucking oranges. Like, he's huge, right? And he grew up to be Smokey the Bear. So, my my proposition to you is this. In the Dell comics, it's like when they decided that Wonder Woman and Wonder Girl were two different characters, and Little Smokey can go off and join the fucking Teen Titans. But in actuality, they were always, like, in the real world, in the true story of Smokey the Bear, Little Smokey and Smokey the Bear are like Superboy and Superman. They're the same fucking dude, but they make them two independent characters in these comic books, and they've got, like, a whole... Like fucking cast of characters and shit in in those adventures. Like like there's this flying fucking squirrel that's named Lindy, and they talk and they're like, "Hey, check it out! I'm flying around." And there's like a fire and shit, and they go and fight fires. Like Michael liked this. There's an eagle that gives them messages that's called Hawkeye. Mm. Like and and <laughs> and then and then there's like this rocket raccoon buddy for Little Smokey. And I think he's called he's called Specs because he's always on the lookout, right? So they're, they're it's like they're this whole agency of characters that go out and like fight fires and shit. So like anyway, there's no explanation of why he wears fucking pants, but I'm gonna keep reading until I find it. But um, yeah, I I, I don't know. I had so what you're what you're telling us is that Smokey Bear has a Gadzuki. Uh, yes, he has a Gadzuki, and 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 Godzuki is. Godzilla in the true story <laughs> is what I'm telling you. Well, that was interesting. Do you, do you have any history with this, Mike? You know what? It's weird. Like, I almost had deja vu reading this. Like, I had read it before, like, and I don't know where from. Like, maybe I did read this in some, like, friggin' dentist's office or, like, you know, when I was a kid or something, because I feel like I had read this. And, like, I... I I feel like I knew the story of Smokey the Bear, too, like, before, but I guess I'd never, like, cared enough to, like, you know, confirm it or anything, but, no, I mean, I liked, uh, this was, yeah, pretty, like, you know, like I said, it was, it was nostalgic somehow, like, I feel like I've read something similar to it, or this in particular, and, like, yeah, it had, it had nice art, and, yeah, like Derek said, like I was like, wait a minute, when did he start wearing pants? Like, wait, where? When did the story like jump from a like you know a, a historical tale to like fiction? Like, I, yeah, but... I think I think like the last two pages is where the fiction gets a little infused into it. Yes, yeah, so we're all upset about a lack of origin for Smokey's pants. Yeah, yeah. I I, w I would like to know about Smokey's pants. You know what else I would have liked? I would have liked Tony to be here because he could confirm this for me because. I'm not a smoker, right? I've been surrounded by smokers my entire life, but I'm not a smoker, right? But, like, I I always felt like when I was younger, 
and maybe this is just because maybe my mom was a responsible smoker when she was a smoker or whatever, but like, I always felt like, like she was never, uh, what I'll call, and maybe you'll know what this means, but she was never a flicker. Like, like, like I, I never ever encountered somebody flicking their cigarette until I went to college. And I was just like, what the fuck's wrong with you, dude? Like that, I was like, dude, don't you know about Smokey the fucking bear? Like that could start a fire. Like, and, and like, I never really understood that. And I always thought it was weird. Like people would throw their, they, they wouldn't, they wouldn't put it out. They just throw it out a fucking window or flick it from their hands or, do, you know, do whatever. Like it was no big deal. Right. And most times I guess it was no big deal, but the whole point of it is if you're in a fucking dry brush fucking forest, I feel like they should, you know, probably pass these fucking comic books out all over fucking California. And then maybe these goddamn stupid wildfires will stop because, you know, Nimrods could read Smokey the Bear or whatever, but you know, it's neither here nor there, but you know, it's just one of those things where I was always kind of like, like, what's the, that? That's why I kind of wanted Tony here. Cause I was like, what's the deal with that? Like, is it grody to stamp out a cigarette with like your expensive shoes or something? Like, I don't, I don't know what the, you know what I mean? Like, I'm not sure what the, the big deal is about like basically putting out a fire or putting out a, 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 you know, a cigarette as opposed to just being like, is it because you think you're cool? Like, like, you know, like the way in Mask of the Phantasm, when the guy like flicks the cigarette out the window and it bounces off and it's supposed to be all like, look, that guy's a nasty so-and-so, you know what I mean? And I'm just kind of like, that's kind of how I think of it. Like, where it's like, if you do that, like, you're an asshole. Like, you're not cool. Like, but I don't know. Anyway. Honestly, like, the, the last time I think I thought about Smokey Bear or, like, even heard some of his history was when I think Death Battle did, like, Smokey oh, Bear yeah, versus, yeah. like, Scruff McGruff the Crime okay. Dog or whatever. And they, like, they did their historical segment. So, so who, who won? Um, I don't remember. I mean, you'd think, I think, you'd I think, think Smokey, Smokey the Bear, Bear should won, kick his ass, yeah. right? Because, yeah. He's just well, a fucking like Smokey, dog, right? Like, I mean, Smokey Bear would be like, you know, Superman, and yeah. Scott McGruff would be Batman. Yeah, figure, like, he's just a dog, they, dude. They probably, yeah, they pulled some, like, wacky superpower out of his ass or something. I don't know. I, I know they're still making little PSAs because they, they, the last time, it's been over a year now, the last time I went to the movies, there was a little cgi animated you know smoky the bear psa before the movie and i was like oh that's kind of neat because he was all you know big cgi smoky oh okay okay you know you know one thing you guys should check out yeah because i know i know you probably just read the the true smoky the bear story but look at some of these other like covers for those dell comics like the the 932 i talked about it's smoky the bear his life story like man both those even the one for this true story they're like really nice painted covers, like, you know, kind of like, you know, th think of your atypical like Magnus Robot Fighter gold key kind of, you know, Tano, Lone Ranger, you know, silver, mm -hmm. you know, Ohio silver comics like that, that kind of stuff like this, this just really, really nicely painted and, and, you know, kind of cool looking covers and everything in in that the the his life story one it's this great image it's like it's like Smokey the bear's got a stick and he's gonna bat away like these real fucking wolves and then you can see specs and and little Smokey you know climbing up a tree to stay away from the wolves and stuff so it's like I, I don't know like that like that kind of stuff is just really awesome I just I looked it up and Smokey Bear did win 
And it was because nice. it was it was because both of them could pause time as seen in their, you know, uh, like, you know, uh, uh, public service announcements. But it said uh, Scru- Scruff McGruff could not affect the world when he paused time, but Smokey Bear could. <laughs> yeah. That's good. Here's one last historical fact. The the comic that we're talking about is called The True Story of Smokey Bear. And, of course, the official website I pointed you to is SmokeyBear.com. The official comment on that is, his name is Smokey Bear, but because they made a song, the song was Smokey the Bear, so it would, like, flow better, where it's like, Smokey the Bear, Smokey the Bear, and all this shit. So that's why most people, like me, was thinking, oh, it's Smokey the Bear, but I guess his real name is Smokey Bear. So, like, he's part of the Bear family or some shit. I don't know. That's some, that's a, like, point of trivia I always knew where I was like, no, everyone would say, like, it's not Smokey the Bear, it's Smokey Bear. It's just like, it's not, like, Luke, I am your father. It's, no, I am your father. Like, it's like a public misconception. Or the whole uh, beam me up, Scotty. Scotty, beam me up. Yeah, yep. All right, so are, are we are we through with Smokey the Bear? Can we move on to the next promotional comic book? Solomon Grundy want pants too. <laughs> Good old Ed Morgan. A mighty careful man in his own home. He can't imagine how anyone could have been so careless. Ed Morgan, every man, anyone who handles fire in any form is a potential killer. Anyone can start a fire and never even know it. Please be very careful with fire. Please. Only you can prevent forest fires. Only who can prevent forest fires? You pressed you, referring to me. That is incorrect. The correct answer is you. So, so Mike, uh, like I said, I, I, I will let you, you know, defeat me in the mud wrestling match and present your promotional comic, even though they both, both of ours came out in the exact same year. I think they both came out in the same month, too. So I think, I think it's, it's really neck and yeah, neck or whatever. Mike... Mine, mine has a cover date of January 1993. Yeah, and that's that's exactly mine as well. So, yeah. so uh, anyway, tell tell the listeners what promotional comic book are we going to be taking a look at from yourself? So I picked X Men the Premium Edition. It was a Toys R Us exclusive comic that they they handed out. Like I think they handed out oodles and oodles of it because like not only did i have a copy but i think like that day when i went to toys r us with my cousins and my aunt brought us like they gave us all copies of it and like they had a like giant pile of them i think so i think i looked it up and they said this this issue is actually pretty like common you could probably find it on ebay like pretty easily but yeah it's a the it's just called the premium edition it's an original like x-men story like in like i said january 1993 so it's like you know the jim basically the jim lee era x-men it's written by eric fine penciled by craig brasfield inked by bill anderson colored by joe andriani lettered by david sharp and the editor was glenn hurdling and I just wrote a brief synopsis, which I will read. The title of the story is The Cyber Scenario. And cyber is spelled like psychic, like P-S-Y-Burr. 
the cyber scenario. So, betrayed. The X-Men are betrayed by their ally Karma, with Professor Xavier, Jean Grey, and Psylocke kidnapped by Deadpool and the Juggernaut at the behest of Gideon. Gideon wishes to use the three psychics to power his new Cyber, Psy-P-S-Y, Sentinel, a new version of the mutant hunting robot. Cyclops leads a team to Gideon's research facility to rescue their comrades, but Gideon fields the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants to stand in their way. Thankfully, Karma switches sides again to aid the X-Men and stop the Cyber Sentinel. In the aftermath, Gideon's poorly designed facility collapses when Wolverine cuts a single support beam. And as a reward, Professor Xavier takes Wolverine to Toys R Us for an action figure of his choosing. <laughs> the end. The uh, end. Uh, uh, so, what? What? It, like th- this was this was a Toys R Us promotional comic book, but was it? Was it supposed to tie into the cartoon? Was it supposed to be just tie into the the comics? I guess or? so. Like it, it, it seems to take place. Like they, like there wasn't like a complete wiki page for it, but like there was like an, uh, uh, I think like Bleeding Cool News had an article about this issue, and they wrote like, oh, like if it if, if it takes place in continuity, it takes place like just before like Executioner's song or okay. something. Okay. So, but like, yeah, oh, I don't oh, know, because it would be before Professor X got shot or whatever. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Like, like it made. It made a note, and like I, I've got like a, a, a my own personal like milestone with this. But it made a note like this, maybe, and maybe it's wrong. Maybe they didn't research enough. But they said this is the first time the X Men encounter Deadpool, like, like, or Deadpool at least fights the X Men, like, because I guess he had only appeared in like New Mutants and X Force at this point. That hmm. that sounds right to me. I yeah, mean, I don't so, I don't remember yep. Deadpool ever. And. As far as I know, this is the first time I ever read Deadpool in a comic, huh. too, because, like, I think I, I think I told you, like, when we did our Deadpool show, like, I was introduced to Deadpool as an action figure. So, like, that Toy Biz action figure of him was, like, something one of my friends owned, and, like, I didn't really know anything about him. Like, all I knew about him was what they wrote on the back of his, like, you know, figure card. And I think we just kind of, you know, we kind of used him as this comic did, where he was just a, you know, generic not a generic, but just part of like Magneto's team of evil mutants or whatever. But I mean, at least here, like once I read this, like, uh, and I'm, like I said, I'm pretty sure this is the first time I ever read Deadpool, like in a comic was uh, like, he, you know, he's a mercenary, you know, he's hired by Gideon to do a job, you know, him and Juggernaut. And I was like, okay, like this is what gave me a better idea of what, who Deadpool was and what he did. So you know, the, the, I recognized, you know, the rest of the cast from like the, you know, the 90s Fox Kids show, obviously. And I had I had read some, you know, X-Men comics from this era by this point. So like nothing was the ironically, the only thing that was like unfamiliar to me was probably karma because like and, and the bleeding cool uh, like article uh, actually makes mention that this is also the first time like karma showed up in like like seven years like like after this point like i think she like last showed up in like new mutants or like the beginning like yeah she she would have last been in new mutants yeah yeah so like yeah karma was something i was totally unfamiliar with and then like i was definitely surprised to see her here i was like oh it's karma i wouldn't expect her to be like a freebie thing it's weird like like i thought 
I don't know. I I mean, I could be, you know, may, maybe it's playing into the whole idea like that, you know, Rusty and Skids went off and joined the Mutant Liberation Front or something. But I I guess like in my mind that that's why I was trying to figure out is this a is this a cartoon tie-in or you know because it's like for me I was thinking well if it's a cartoon tie-in I could believe that Karma would have been you know mentored by Xavier and then betray him because they can do like you know, whatever the fuck they want in the cart. You know what I mean? Like, the cartoon wasn't, like, super slavish or whatever, right? And, like, I, I thought about it, and then I'm kind of like, well, Karma does have a cameo in the, the Fox Kids X-Men cartoon. Like, she was, she was like, one of the many psychics in Beyond Good and Evil when, you know, Apocalypse mm. was, like, capturing mm. all those. You know, they, they had, like, yeah. you know, everybody who had remote telepathic powers and stuff. So I think she was, like, one of the... You know, she didn't have any speaking lines or anything, but she was one of the many, you know, I guess, power batteries or whatever you want to call them, right? But... So I was, like, trying to rationalize that in my head. But then I'm, like... You know, the, the other thing is, I'm, like, well, clearly, like, there's all these ads, you know, so they want you to buy the X-Men... VHS tapes and they want you to buy the X-Men Toy Biz figures and everything. So I was trying to think like is that why they, you know because I'm like, part of me is kind of like, okay, well I get why, you know, like it makes sense, like Gambit Wolverine, Cyclops Storm you know, but then, then I'm kind of like, well Archangel wasn't like a main cast member of the you know, the the cartoon per se but I'm like, did he have a figure out at the time and i'm just kind of like well i mean i remember archangel was one of the first toy biz figures so maybe he was still being sold then or what i don't know it was, i was just trying to figure out like character choices because i'm like you know it is interesting like the deadpool's in this right but then then you think about it and you know like you mentioned you're kind of like hey well i was introduced to deadpool as a as a toy biz action figure right and he was part of probably part of the quote-unquote x-force you know, subline or whatever. But then I'm like, okay, well, I'm guessing Gideon had a toy, and I know at I'm some point, I'm pretty sure Gideon, had yeah, a G figure Gideon had too, a yeah. figure. I, I'm sure I remember having a blob figure with like a a hunk of ham or some shit like that or whatever it was. And like, I'm like, I'm trying to remember. Like, I don't remember if Toad had a figure or Fantasia had a like. I was like, I'm pretty sure Fantasia didn't even show up on the cartoon and didn't have a toy. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Like, so it was weird. Like, they're like merging like a lot of X Force characters into this. I think. I guess. I guess by default that means this is the first time that like the X Men fought Gideon too. So yeah, yeah. Like, he, he was probably exclusively X Force yeah, at, yeah. at, at this point. Yeah. But yeah, you know, like I, I always enjoyed this issue. Like I have a lot of nostalgic fondness for it. And I mean, you can see why. I mean, it's like a, you know, Cyclops like heavy issue. You know, the X-Men do their thing. It's, a, you know, no, there's, it's a it's a pretty straightforward adventure. But I feel like everyone's in character. You know, every it's it, uh, there's a lot of action. You know, it's bright and colorful. It probably evokes the cartoon a lot. Like, so, like, I, I remember really treasuring this issue. Yeah, the, the quote-unquote Cyber Sentinel looks a lot like the cartoon version of Master Mold to me. So, I mean, that's definitely something that evokes the cartoon. I kind of, you know, I, I have to be honest. I think the cover was a way cooler idea than what was actually done in the actual yeah, comic, that. you know? 
You cannot defeat my cyber sentinel X-Men. Yeah, like I, I, I was kind of, I, I mean, I got the idea they ca were capturing them to make this thing, but I thought maybe, you know, he might be, you know, converted or, you know, made evil for five minutes or something like that. Like, I, I thought that was, that was kind of a letdown, I guess, as far as that goes. I, I have no nostalgia for it, so I'm just kind of, you know, it's a historical fascination. It's, it's like, interesting to me, because I'm kind of like, well, that's an odd, you know, like, like, it doesn't even, like, it, it doesn't represent, like, say, if you go back to the old, you know, blue and gold teams, like, it's not quite the gold team, it's not quite the blue team, it's not quite the X-Men cartoon team, you know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's just whatever, you know, configuration of X-Men they decided for this particular story. The other thing that I think is interesting is Jean only appears in her costume, like, very briefly, because then it's like she's on her date, and what I thought was weird is she's on her date and she's wearing a green dress, but by the end of it, it's almost like she's, um, it, it's like a, like an homage to the old, like, Claremont Cockrum stuff right before she became Dark Phoenix because she's kind of got this tight black dress on and it kind of reminded me of like I mean she didn't really have like you know uh, it wasn't like it was a, a a low cut you know top or whatever type thing but like you know that that classic black look that she had when she was rising up out of the wall you know what I mean like like all that stuff like pre you know Jean Grey like right before she became the Phoenix, you know, and, and jumped out of the bay or whatever. She had that kind of, you know, I think like John Byrne, like drawing her in it. Cause when they resurrected her, she had that same exact outfit on when she came out of the cocoon and, you know, Art Adams has drawn it a bunch of times on classic X-Men covers and stuff like that. So I was looking at that kind of going, Oh, that, that kind of reminds me of that. But then that kind of also made me feel confused. Cause I'm like, Oh, if this is a, like a, a, a tie-in, right? If it's supposed to sell figures, I'm like, well, there's no, there's no Jean Grey in a tight black evening gown or whatever. You know what I mean? I'm like, what? Like, where's that? Like, you know, so. I think the cover, like, is supposed to sell, like, you know, the, the prospect of the X-Men being betrayed, but, like, probably no one who watches the cartoon knew who Karma was, so it's like, you know, they just, like, just put Professor Xavier in there, like. You know, they know the bald, the kids know the bald guy. They don't know the, the, the lady. I think the thing I thought was the creepiest moment was the moment that Professor X and Psylocke get captured. Like that, that weird, oh. like it was almost like yeah. alien-like, you know, like where the, the, it fastens itself to their faces. And I was like, man, that's, I don't know, like that, that was pretty creepy for something that was supposed to be a maybe a kid tie-in comic book. And I guess if I'm going to, you know, of course, this is a promotional comic, so throw stones at me or whatever, but I'm still going to poke holes in some shit. Like, there's this one moment where they're like, you, you know all the mercenaries? It's like, I, I guess they're they're posing Gideon as some kind of Sebastian Shaw-type guy, and that's why they have this Cyber Sentinel. So I kind of let that slide, because I'm kind of like, okay, this is part of his wacky doodle master plan or whatever. But the the part that I was like uber comic nerding about was when they were like well guess what the the cyber sentinel is going to like attack all the mutants and deadpool's like this wasn't in my contract i'm out of here and juggernaut's like that sounds like a really good idea and i'm just kind of like dude bros like 
neither of you are mutants. Like, who gives a shit? Like, why don't <laughs> yeah, you just hang right. back uh -huh. and let the cyber sentinel fucking step on all these guys? Like, I don't, I don't, I don't know what the big deal is. I mean, I got, I would get why like Blob and Pyro and Toad and and Fantasia would get the fuck out of there because they are mutants. But I'm just kind of like, dude, like, you know, it, it's that it's that uber nerd thing where you're always like, well, bro, like Juggernaut's not a mutant, bro. <laughs> like, what did you think of this, Justin? It was interesting. I had never read this before. I I never even got to go to Toys R Us until like I graduated high school. So I you, you can see how I missed out on this. Thought it was interesting. I don't know. It it just seemed very very nineties to me. I mean, I probably goes without saying, but as soon as like Gideon and some of those other goobers started showing up, I was like, oh. <laughs> That's that's the era we're in here, Gideon. What would you have would have it hit your sweet spot if like Exodus was behind the Cyber Sentinel or something? <laughs> Probably, yeah. 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 So, yeah. what the the guy with the long green ponytail didn't clue you in that it was nineties? <laughs> I'm I'm just gonna give you an opening here because I see it on your avatar. I imagine one of your favorite parts was when Deadpool swipes Cyclops. You know ruby quartz glasses and is like you know i i guess it's not like the hulk versus wolverine where he's like i shot you but he's like i stole your glasses yeah. or whatever <laughs> yeah. you know like, yeah i mean it's not it's too early for joe kelly deadpool but it's like you know basic like generic wise cracking deadpool so like yeah like i i think i like I don't know if I like latched on to him, but I definitely like uh, this comic made me understand his character. Like basically, like beyond like you know an action figure that I thought just looked cool, and I just made part of a generic brand like army of evil bad guys or whatever. So yeah, I also liked how the like in the art they like whenever Deadpool would like they they would make his face look like you know hideous like with the mask still on like. Like you could tell, like he was like gross looking underneath, even though he had a mask mm. on. Like I thought that was like a nice touch, but I don't know. And like I mentioned in my synopsis, the thing that always makes me laugh about this issue is like Wolverine cuts that one support beam, and he's like, like you know, Gideon's like, no, like that will collapse the entire building, and I was like. The the support beams don't work like that. They you know like no building is held up by one like support beam. But, well, not but... not only not only does the 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 complex collapse, but it explodes with a giant kaboom as they all run away. <laughs> yep. I'm 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 like I guess Wolverine like was taking lessons from Karnak or something. He found that one weak point in the uh, the complex or something that made it explode. Something I thought was kind of odd is at the beginning, there's this close-up of, like, Storm putting her hand on Cyclops' shoulders, and she's like, Scott, it wasn't your fault. You can't blame yourself. And he's like, can't I? And I, I don't know, the, the close-up of her hand on his shoulder is odd to me. I don't know. I, yeah, that is that is a weird... It's like they were implying something that never paid off in this. Mm. I don't know. That, that is a weird thing to emphasize, right? Like, I, I guess it's supposed to be like, look, she's being comforting or something like that. But I, I don't know. Like, yeah. I probably just assumed that all the girls wanted Cyclops <laughs> at that point. So, like, I was like, yeah, because he's the man. Well, he, he does have that gigantic shoulder right there. <laughs> that gigantic yeah, shoulder mound. Well, like, and also I think, like, 
concurrent to this, I was like reading comics where like Psylocke was also mm. like, going after mm. like him. Yeah. So yeah, like, yeah, yeah. So I was like, yeah, Cyclops is the man. Yeah, that that is interesting because if this was supposed to be a a cartoon tie-in, it, it's odd that Psylocke is there, right? Like, so she didn't she didn't have a strong presence on the the animated series. Yeah, you'd think they would put like Rogue in it. Yeah, Rogue wasn't yeah. Even in it. But, yeah, but yeah, like I. I and the only other thing I'll comment on is I like, you know, what's a real like and rereading it like for this show, it, like really made me notice like what's what's a real like bit of like Chris Claremontian like dialogue is always like, you know, like when whenever he has like Psylocke, like summon her psychic knife, it's always like, you know, whatever the narration is like, you know, it's it's Psylocke's like psy knife, like like the totality of her psychic powers like manifested in whatever but it's always like in there's that and then like in this i think it's got like archangel going like i'll shoot him with my like neuro poison tipped like fletchets like that shoot out of my wings like and like i feel like that that that's always like a really claremontian thing where it's like you know oh like i'm being hit by archangel's fletchets they're coated in neurotoxin like ah it's it's almost like how i want to end this segment which is the the claremontian splash page which has the kaboom but also has well done students you foiled gideon's evil scheme saving mutant and humankind from untold terrors at the hands of the cyber sentinel. You are truly extra ordinary people deserving of the name X-Men. I'm just gonna, whoa. <laughs> it's kind of arrogant of him too. Like He's like, yes, yeah, you are truly worthy of my name. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's for the extra power. Remember the Kirby issues. It's, it's not it's not uh, not named after it just me. Just so happens that my name is Xavier. It's just a coincidence. <laughs> now let's go to Vegas so we can get me a new wheelchair. <laughs> 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 Dr. Fate. Dr. Midnight. Starman. Johnny Quick. Wildcat. Power Girl. The All-Star Squadron. Spectre. Firebrand. Amazing Man. Huntress. Cyclone. Sandman. Mr. Terrific. Star Commander Steel. Seven Soldiers of Liberty the Infinity Incorporated. Those are just some of the celebrated and beloved heroes associated with Earth 2 and the Justice Society of America. These daring mystery men and women banded together in 1940 to form the first super team in comics. They inspired a decades-long legacy of heroes who would follow in their footsteps. And now they've inspired us to launch a new podcast. Justice Society presents a new anthology on the Fire and Water Podcast Network featuring a variety of themed shows with different hosts celebrating some of their favorite comics and characters associated with the golden age of comics, Earth 2, the JSA, and beyond. We'll launch this new series with an ongoing show called Justice Society Presents Crisis, in which Rob and Shag go through each of the classic team-ups between the Justice League and the Justice Society. Then joining the podcast feed will be the Starman Chronicles. Chris and Cindy continue their coverage of James Robinson's epic series from beginning to end. Later in the year, Ryan Daly and Max Romero will tackle the Vertigo title Sandman Mystery Theater. And two years later, Ryan will cancel it. That's probably... Then in the coming months and years, we'll be adding further ongoing shows and one-off specials celebrating other beloved characters and comics related to the JSA of any era, from the 1940s to today. 
Join the fight for justice and subscribe to Justice Society Presents on the Fire and Water Podcast Network. So, Derek, you like cinnamon mini buns at some point, right? Uh, I guess so. Yeah, yeah, I did. I did. <laughs> so, so yeah, my tie with, with Mike is going to be a promotional comic that is titled, because I can't get enough of her. I love her so much. Wonder Woman and the Star Riders. And this also, oh, no. yeah, this also had a, a release date of January 1993. So I've got, I've got two things. I've got kind of like a backstory synopsis, the, the historical lead up to this. And then I've got the synopsis of the actual mini comic. In 1992, Mattel planned a line of toys for girls with Wonder Woman leading a new cast of female characters. Two DC characters were already previously established. Dolphin in 1968 and Ice uh, in 19... I think this is wrong, but Ice in 1988 because, yeah, that the Super Friends comic came out way before that. But anyway, Dolphin and Ice were pre-established. The other two were new characters invented for the series. So Lara had sun-based fire powers, while Star Lily had earth-based plant powers. They were to be pitted against the villainous Persia, who has the power to control animals, and her mount, Panthera. All the Star Riders ride winged horses, and Wonder Woman herself rides a winged unicorn named Nightshine. Wonder Woman and the Star Riders had the subtitle Sparkling Super Heroines. An announcement for an upcoming animated series was made during the 1993 Toy Fair. However, a pilot was never produced beyond character designs and storyboards. A few test samples for the toy line were developed, as well as a short comic book story, which would have been packaged with the figures. This mini-comic was eventually distributed as a breakfast cereal premium. The comic was part of a four-part comic set that was a free gift in a box of cinnamon mini-bun cereal. The other books were Flash vs. Dr. Polaris, Justice League of America vs. Amazo, and Superman vs. Metallo. They measured 2 by 3 fourths by 4 by 1 fourth inches, so kind of like a, a She-Ra Masters of the Universe mini-comic-ish type comic. No creators are listed anywhere in the book, but Jose Luis Garcia Lopez, PBHN, created the character designs, which appear to be the images of the main characters that are statted in to create the cover image. The artwork has since been published in Les Daniels' 2000 book, Wonder Woman The Complete History. The canceled toy designs were recycled as part of the Tenko and the Guardians of the Magic toy line. So that's the brief history on all this stuff. And as to the plot of Wonder Woman and the Star Riders. The story starts out with the Star Riders gathered at their magical Starlight Palace. Their foe, Persia, has already stolen the magic jewels that protect the sun, air, ice, and plants. Their only magic jewel that remains, the Jewel of the Sea, belongs to Dolphin. As they are discussing Persia, along with her companion, Panthera, plot to steal the last jewel. Using her magical mask, Persia grabs the jewel from the Starlight Palace. Dolphin senses the theft and the Star Riders arrive to stop her. There is a brief battle, but Persia gets away when she uses the Slumber Gem to put all the Star Riders but Dolphin to sleep. Dolphin attempts to locate 
Persia. By pursuing on her winged horse, Cloud Dancer. Dolphin successfully locates her, but Persia quickly defeats her with the Sea Jewel. However, the other Star Riders come to Dolphin's rescue and stop Persia. After making a magical lion hologram, Wonder Woman then uses her lasso of truth to make Persia tell them where the other jewels are. Persia reveals their location and then tells them she wants to join their sisterhood. All of a sudden, the lights go out due to a storm that Persia creates and she escapes with the Sun Jewel. The Star Riders are forlorn and hope one day Persia will become a worthy member of the team. The end. So, has anybody ever read this before? No. I think I first heard about this, like, because it was, it, was, it was a big deal because I think they announced it at Toy Fair. So I think it was announced at like 1992 Toy Fair. And I think if I recall correctly, it was probably like maybe like Lee's or Tomart or, you know, like one of those toy magazines. Like I remember I was big into those back in the day and I would love it if somebody would scan all of those because those were awesome. But like I, I remember like I think one of those books probably had, you know, either photos of this line or whatever it was. I think I was excited about it. Because I was always trying to make, like, uh, you know, the Justice League International. So I thought it was cool that, like, there was going to be an action figure of ice out there, like, you know, for public consumption. And and I knew who Dolphin was because I read Aquaman and everything like that. So I thought, I thought that was really sweet. And I think also, like, we've probably had this discussion before, but, I mean, in addition to getting Masters of the Universe figures, I had a pretty, you know, complete collection of you know, She-Ra figures with the Crystal Castle and all that kind of stuff. And these seemed like they they were kind of, uh, I don't know, spiritual successors to the She-Ra line. Like, they came from Mattel. They, they, were, they were kind of targeted to be, like, for action play. But then they probably also had, like, combs where you could comb their hair and stick them in front of mirrors. And, you know, they, they, they you know, if you look at, like, a lot of the, the prototypes for all the toys, I mean, they look like She-Ra toys. They're, the, all the, the horses all look like, you know, uh, Brightwind, but, you know, different colors. And, you know, Mattel's not one to, to uh, you know, kick a, a reuse of an existing toy out of the, you know, out of the bed, right? Like, you know, it's like, it's like, you know, so, so they, they certainly would have been all over that if they, they were able to manage it. I guess there was some kind of, you know, promotional video that was accompanied at Toy Fair. Cause there's like, there's stills and things of like, they, there was a potential animated series that might've come out of it that they had a few, you know, maybe promo clips of or something like that. And also, I don't know if it would have been on the animated series or, like, on, like, commercials, kind of like how, you know, they had, like, a live-action Duke and all those G.I. Joe commercials around the same time. Like, but there was something where people were, like, dressed up like Wonder Woman in Persia and, you know, they, they had, like, wigs with, you know, purple hair or, you know, whatever it was. So there's there's, like, all this kind of stuff that was, you know, in route to being developed, but it just kind of got cut short, I think, because, you know, I, I don't know if Shira was super successful, but the, the way, the way they make it sound is like, this would have been the next sort of action girl toy line that was being created. So to me, I'm kind of like, well, it was an awfully long time since, you know, Shira had been around, you know? So it's like, it was almost like, 
seven years or something. So I, I don't think that this probably was was something that they they were willing to take a gamble on, I guess. But that you know, they probably had enough juice to get as far as they did, but it just never it never gotten to you know the actual stages of releasing product and having a a cartoon on the airwaves and all that kind of stuff. But uh, you know, like when when all was said and done, the only real example of this that was released to retail was this mini comic and i remember you know reading this and kind of thinking oh wow this is what would have you know like like it's kind of almost like a lost episode of something it's like this didn't really get released but it's 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 kind of like watching a, a an unaired pilot but it's like even lower on the rung than an unaired pilot because it's like an unaired unreleased she-ra mini comic but for wonder woman so i i you know i i guess i've always been kind of fascinated with this but but when you guys mentioned promotional comics i was like well you know it was released you know technically as part of fucking cinnabon's serial so i was like well why not let's talk about it i was surprised to learn this was dated from 93 because I, as I was reading this, I was like, okay, this is very inspired by She-Ra. So this must be like mid to mm-hmm, late eighties mm-hmm. at the latest. And I was like, Oh, 93. Well, this is well past, uh, She-Ra being on any shelves. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's one of those things, you know, I say they never, they never forget an idea or whatever. Like who knows how long this was in development too. Like, like maybe, maybe this was the next big thing after She-Ra and they kept pushing it and pushing it. And then it fell apart, but they, they really thought, Oh, 1992 is the year guys, we're going to do it. And then it didn't happen. I think I was a little confused at first because I was like ice and dolphin. I was like, is this supposed to be like the real DC comics ice and dolphin or these like, stand-ins uh they kind of confused me for a minute i mean they're not they're not really close to the yeah the actual dc characters i think i don't know it's weird if you if you read a lot of people there, there's some cool websites that have like some detailed information on this and everything but i mean i don't know and some of the like because i think what they had was like a little you know i don't know promotional pamphlet or bible that they went by and i, I think the idea was supposed to be that Wonder Woman was not like the fully formed hero that, you know, it wasn't like it was like Linda Carter or I don't know, w- whatever example you want to use as like Wonder Woman in her prime, like that this was like, you know, Hippolyta sent her daughter to team up with these folks and they were going to go, you know, save the planet, kind of like Captain Planet, which makes it a little more, you know, in tune with the 90s, you know, that they were going to, you know, try to, you know, save the the forests and the animals and all this other you know like i i think it was going to be less about you know beating the fuck out of persia than it was going to be about you know reformation island and 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 making everybody sing kumbaya and stuff like that so like there was that aspect to it and then you know i mean if you want to argue well it's not quite the same wonder woman you know i'm like i i think it was definitely inspired by you know ice and dolphin but yeah they clearly they had their own you know designs or whatever and if you wanted to like if you wanted to e nelson bridwell it and get all technical you could be like well this is before that all that you know like this is when they were all like you know you know 18 year olds or something like that you know saving the earth or something and then later they go join you know the jli and and hang out with aquaman and and you know go you know i don't know you know lasso maxwell lord or you know whatever the fuck right is this story better than wonder woman 1984 because i kind of think it is (laughs) 
it's it's pretty good. I mean, you know, I, I kind of like Persia. Like, like that that character, that's what's interesting, is like, she's definitely not Cheetah, but you talk about the She-Ra connection, and you're like, oh, is that not Catra, but just with another name? Yeah. You know, like, the, the only thing I'm kind of surprised about is, and, you know, this goes back to, way back to, you know, Bo gets around, but I'm kind of surprised there's no, like, single male character. You know, like, I'm surprised there's not, like, a Steve Trevor that, like, has a, uh, you know, a, a, a Bo outfit where, like, you can see his midriff or something, and he's like, I'm Steve Trevor, like, master, you know, uh, horse swing pilot that, you know, has a little heart on his chest and is, like, you know, super cool or whatever. Like, I, I'm kind of surprised there's not at least you know, one Ken figure in the line, you know? <laughs> yeah, I didn't really recognize them either. Like, I was kind of like, are these supposed to be original characters? Or, like, I, I don't know. Well, like... I think I think, I think, think it's the idea, like, a lot of people now compare this to the DC Superhero Girls line. And, I mean, if you look at, you know, like, the Batgirl in DC Superhero Girls, or the Supergirl in DC Superhero Girls, like, they don't, they're not, like, a spitting image. They're not, like, precisely you know, uh, you know, I guess, you know, thread for thread, their costumes don't match, right? They're supposed to be like, you know, teeny bopper kids going to a superhero high school. So it's like, I, I, I think there's that aspect to it too. They, they kind of, they wanted to use some of the IPs that they had around, but then they also kind of wanted to come into their own. But like, that, that's something I thought was interesting too, because people make these comparisons to dc superhero girls and i know like bumblebee from the titans doesn't have like plant powers but i was kind of thinking like well you know star lily is is a hero of color kind of like bumblebee and i was like and they both have wings so i was just kind of like well you know i wonder you know you know what i mean like they they could have maybe easily slotted in other names like for for all you know um What's her name? Solara? Like, that could have been, you know, Starfire for, you know what I mean? Like, like, like you could have easily just, paint, you know, maybe gave her some orange skinned hue and said, oh, this is, this is our version of Starfire. And yeah, she's got a, a solar star, you know, jewel or what, you know, like that kind of thing. Like, so I don't, I don't know. Like, yeah, definitely they don't look exactly like it. But I think a lot of times, like, even when I got toys back in the day, like, as long as it was, you know, something that was close enough i would probably have been happy with it i thought this comic was gonna end like twice and then it like well what happened was like once they defeated what what was the bad guy's name um persia once they defeated her and she's like oh like could i be on your side and they're like yeah of course you can and i was like okay well that must be the end but then, like the next page is like, oh no, she betrayed us and like stole the our stole our shit. Like in, in like two, like, oh, in like two seconds. Yeah, and then I was like, oh crap, there's like another act to this. But then the next page is like, that's okay, we'll get her next time. And then it really was the end. And I was like, okay. <laughs> it's like that's why that's why Jetfire doesn't trust any other Decepticons because he's read this comic with Persia. Since there's no credits on this, kind of like there's not a lot of credits on most of the comics we've read tonight, like. I know for sure, like, I think, you know, at least elements of the, the, the characters on the cover were done by Jose Luis Garcia Lopez. But, like, do you have any speculation on, does this look like anybody's art to you? Like, I was kind of thinking, like, maybe, like, I, I wonder if there were, like, Garcia Lopez, like, sketches that they used for some of these. But then also I was kind of like, I don't know, some of this kind of looks like 
Colleen Doran to me a little bit, but mm. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm just guessing, like, who the hell knows who it is, because there's no record of it anywhere. It could be nobody that we're familiar with, but I was just curious if this reminded you of anybody's art. Yeah, I didn't really recognize it. Like, I, I was actually surprised to hear you say that this came out the same year as my comic, because I felt like the art was looked a little more dated than yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they're, they're, they're very different, right? Like, I, I do get the, the idea that this was in development for a lot longer than than that X-Men comic. One one thing, though, like I, I did, like reading it, I was kind of like, there were several, like I was kind of waiting for Wonder Woman to show up again, basically. Like I was like, who are all these new characters? Like, where's Wonder Woman? And like it, it like went like two or three pages just dealing with like the other Sailor Scouts or whatever. And then I was like, oh, there's Wonder Woman. Yeah, like that was something that, that people compared this to, too. Like maybe that they were trying to capture that whole like Sailor Moon, I guess, zeitgeist or whatever. So, Derek, did you ever get any of the other uh, freebies in this series? No, no, I, I, I don't, I don't even think I, I don't have any of these physically anymore. But like, I was looking, like they're actually, cause I guess, cause they were, you know, freebies, and probably most people threw them away or whatever. Like, they, they look pretty fucking expensive. I mean, even, mm. even like if you got a deal on something, it seems like, it seems like, 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 a lower end copy of this you could spend like you know 30 or 40 bucks for the mini comic but i mean Jeez. i've seen like if you go to and, and like my comic shop is not they don't i mean they don't try to gouge people at my comic shop but like yeah they, like they they had some over hundred dollar copies of these i mean some of them were like all cgc'd and shit like that but still like if you go to my comic shop like i i don't think there were too many, like, there might have been, like, five listings for different graded versions. I think maybe maybe one or two of them were below $100, you know? And I was just kind of like, so th th this must be one of those things that's just, like, you know, at least rare because probably people... Yeah, you know how it's like you don't, you know, th this wasn't considered canon. It wasn't something anybody was quote unquote collecting. So nobody, nobody went out of their way to preserve it. So it naturally, it's a collectible. You know what I mean? Like, so I don't know. It's interesting. CG seeing something like this just seems like utter insanity. Mm, I'm sorry. Mm. I mean, okay, if it's if it's really expensive, I could get that. But just a mini comic, I'm just like. <laughs> But see, I, 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 mean. I think that's I think that's why it's as much money as it is because most people right. they probably they, you know even the guys that buy like warehouses full of bullshit on whatever that show is right like they come across some classic Star Wars toys and go ah oh, hit the jackpot but then they see these mini comics and they go ah this must be trash and they throw it away or something but then because everybody does that it's like now when people are out there going hey these guys on fanals just talked about this mini comic. I wonder if I could buy a copy of that. And you're like, Oh, it's, it's $120, you know? And you're just like, Oh, well, <laughs> you know, forget about that. You know? So I, I think now what I'm kind of jonesing for is like, I, I was looking on some of the Mego boards cause they were talking about it. And some guy said, he's like, Oh, I think I have like uh, you know, video of the, you know, like the, the trailers that they showed or what, you know, whatever it was, the promotional video that they showed at Toy Fair. And it's like, all I've seen of that are like really terrible screenshots. So it's like, I would kind of be excited if I could actually find like some clean video of, you know, whatever that was, like either the, the two minutes of, 
you know, animation that they crafted to like sell people on the animated series or whatever this live action stuff was. Cause if you, if you look around, you'll see like at least screen captures of it, but I, I haven't found any like video of it or anything. So you think, you think Persia should have been in Wonder Woman 1984 and Panthera? Like, is that, yeah, yeah. it would have been a lot better. I think it might've been an improvement. Yeah. I mean, you know, one thing uh, the mini comic has going for it is it's like what, like fourteen, fifteen pages. Like it's not gonna, it's not two and a half hours, right? <laughs> no, man, we need like a twenty-minute sequence of all the girls trying on clothing from the eighties. Wonder Woman could have been like, you cannot have all the clothes, like, <laughs> like Pedro Pascal could walk in and go, like, you know, why not more, like, more clothes? You can have all the clothes. <sighs> You can have all the jewels. All right. Well, if you guys have any comments, questions, and or concerns, you can email us at fanholspodcast at gmail.com. If you want to check out the backlog of episodes of comics, motherfucker, do you read them? You can go on over to fanholspodcast.blogspot.com. You can direct download all the backlog of episodes there in addition to all our other spinoff shows we can be found on apple podcasts we can be streamed on stitcher radio google play spotify and we're now on amazon music so if you're interested in any of those platforms go on over and check us out over there and we are on all kinds of social media. We're on Tumblr, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. We appreciate all the likes, hearts, shares, and retweets that we've received. So, until the next time, this is Derek, Derek WC, flying away on my winged horse, signing off. Hey, it's Mike, telling you to buy more action figures of the Professor Xavier men. And this is Justin signing off. No, Michael, if you take out that one support beam, you'll collapse the entire Fennel's podcasting continuum. Only only you can prevent collapse of buildings by knocking out support beams. By Wolverine. Who would win in a fight, Smokey Bear or Wolverine? Smokey Bear. Smokey Bear. What are you yeah. talking uh-huh. about? Yep, absolutely. He would pause time and be like... <laughs> <laughs> Smokey Bear would take his shovel right to Wolverine's face. (laughs) Yep. Absolutely. And then little Smokey and Uncle Smokey would come in and Specs. Yeah. (laughs) They would would like slide in and anime curb stomp him into like a smoke pile. Specs would come in (laughs) with like Rocket Raccoon and they'd be like double like mowing down Wolverine into the, the river. Holy shit. Maybe Wolverine is the one who started that forest fire. <laughs> Son of a bitch, put out his He's cigar. Put out his cigar. It's like, yeah, like, it's a... like, I made you, but you made me first. It's like Deadpool like grabs Cyclops's shades. It's like you wouldn't hit a man with glasses, would you? Like... <laughs> And this forest needs an enema. With a ranger's hat and shovel and a pair of dungarees, you will find him in the forest, always sniffing at the breeze. People stop and pay attention when he tells them to beware, cause everybody knows that he's the fire-preventing bear. Smokey the bear. Smokey the bear. 
prowling and a growling and a sniffing the air. He can find a fire before it starts to flame. That's why they call him Smokey. That was how he got his name. You can take a tip from Smokey that there's nothing like a tree Cause they're good for kids to climb in and they're beautiful to see You just have to look around you and you'll find it's not a joke To see what you'd be missing if they all went up in smoke Smokey the bear, Smokey the bear Prowling and a-growling and a-sniffing the air he can find a fire before it starts to flame. That's why they call him Smokey. That was how he got his name. Camp upon his doorstep and he'll make you feel at home. You can run and hunt and ramble anywhere you care to roam. He will let you take his honey and pretend he's not so smart. But don't you harm the trees, for he's a ranger in his heart. Smokey the bear, Smokey the bear, prowling and a growling and a sniffing the air. He can find a fire before it starts to flame. That's why they call him Smokey. That was how he got his name. If you've ever seen the forest when a fire was running wild and you love the things within it like a mother loves her child, then you know why Smokey tells you when he sees you passing through. Remember, please be careful. It's the least that you can do. Smokey the bear, Smokey the bear, prowling and a growling and a sniffing the air. He can find a fire before it starts to flame. That's why they call him Smokey. That was how he got his name. I was one. I wrote like a maybe two or three sentence summary for my comic, and that's about it. That's fine. I mean, you know, mine's lengthy and, you know, detailed, but, um, I, I, you know, I'm fine with whatever you guys came up with. I actually, um, Justin got me into a, uh, Smokey the Bear rabbit hole because I've been watching a bunch of shit. <laughs> I didn't do any research into Smokey Bear because I knew you probably would anyway. Yeah, that's that's basically what happened. You know, you know what I don't fucking know that I'm upset about is <laughs> like, why, why, why? Anyway, I'll get into it. But where does why uh, pants? Like, where does he get the fucking pants from? Why does he start <laughs> wearing pants? I don't understand. No, I mean I kind of understand, but I kind of don't understand. But I'm still kind of like, come on, man. What's with the fucking pants? I had like a Marge Simpson reaction to it where I was kind of like, you know, hmm, as inspiring as that story was, like that bear must be long dead. Like that's <laughs> that's kind of a downer. Um, it's it, seeing as how I've researched it. The answer to that question is yes. And I can tell you the exact year. This is where we put the Debbie Downer sound. <laughs> 
I didn't bother watching it, but are you anticipating that Mortal Kombat thing? Because I saw everybody was, like, posting the trailer everywhere on a bunch of dumb news sites, but I didn't really have any interest in looking at it. I never did save the trailer. I saw some screenshots. There's, yeah, there's some I, oh, pictures. Oh, is that, is that all it was? A, yeah. It was just pictures? Yeah, I don't think there's a trailer. Oh, yeah. okay. I thought, I thought because I saw all those pictures, there was, like, an actual trailer or some shit. I don't know. I don't uh, like. I'll see it. I don't have a lot of confidence in it, though. Just like the the way the like plot write up is, it kind of sounds like the first like Hellboy movie or something, where it's like you know, there's this new character that we're using to introduce everyone into the world of Mortal Kombat or whatever. I don't know. But I mean, the the pictures didn't look too bad, like the screenshots. But it has its work cut out for it because i i still like that original movie yeah and christopher lambert mortal Kombat. mortal Kombat. i don't i don't think i've seen that movie since i saw that movie like <laughs> do you know, like like since i i saw it in the theater i, I kind of remember being mad at the movie like if, if i remember my like gut reaction to it but what what year did that come out uh um 90 Six, seven. I feel like it was earlier than that. Mm, let me see. But maybe I'm wrong. We should do an anniversary show on that movie. Let's see, Mortal Kombat. Okay, so that was. When's the next anniversary of that movie? Uh, came out in 1995. Yeah. Okay. That was close. Yeah. I I was just thinking. I was like, I know I didn't see that when I was in college, so I was like, it couldn't have been. 95 or, or it couldn't have been 97 you know i was like that's way too late okay so we just missed it's like 25th anniversary yeah i guess so we we could always if, if we want to be uh ornery fan halls we could always do something dumb and be like the 26th anniversary of mortal Kombat, because <laughs> <laughs> we feel like talking about it yeah we could do that just to tie in if, when that movie releases like in april or whatever but yeah. But Marshall Derrick proclaimed no more no, tie-ins. No more tie-ins. No, no more tie-ins. <laughs> Only you can prevent tie-ins. <laughs> Only you can prevent scheduled fuck-ups. I thought you were all using your hex power or whatever. You were like, no more tie-ins. <laughs> Man, I wish I had hex powers. That seems that is a good power to have, like at least like low level increase the probabilities of something, yes. like as long as it doesn't go out of control. Yeah, like some kind of weird monkey spot thing. As long as as long as you don't pilot your sky sled into a Kree warship and explode, then it's fine. <laughs> That's what's gonna happen. Like you're gonna take over Tony's body and he's gonna like <laughs> shoot out a bunch of ultrons out of his mouth at us, and then like <laughs> I'm gonna have to sacrifice myself and fly up into a spaceship. I think that's my equivalent to Derek falling asleep in episode two and not caring. <laughs> you you fell asleep while you were reading Avengers Disassembled? What? <laughs> no, but I uh that was the death of Marvel for mm. me for a long time. I see. Death of like Marvel. I'm sticking with these DC guys. Screw you. That that was a like like uh, that that for Avengers fans, that was like for me, when Ted Cord got shot in the head, I mean, I I felt it, but I don't think I felt it as pronounced as like guys that were like that, you know, like 
were over the moon over the you know what I mean like like I like the Avengers but I don't think I was ever you know I I I left that you know I I let other friends buy Avengers comics and I would read them do you know what I mean like I was I was happy with it you know like but I wasn't over the moon over it but there was that awful moment where you're just like wait what Hawkeye does what what like I was like that's that's how he does what I'm all Hmm. Yeah, that was pretty awesome. Yeah, and after Scott Lang and Vision too, yeah. Yeah, they just like blew themselves up and then it was like not not that I cared too much. I kinda laughed when Jack of Hearts exploded, but I mean, you know, still, it was kind of a lame way to go out. I mean, Jack of Hearts, I don't know if he's as bad as uh you know, uh nineties fate, but you know, it's still a pretty lame way to go out. And he hasn't come back yet, has he? I don't think he has, at least. The last time I remember seeing him was in that Chaos War thing where didn't he win the jackpot, but, like, nobody ever brought him back. Like, like remember how all those guys were, like, playing the the the, uh, the, the slot machines and they were making the joke, like, you know, there's no real death in Marvel. Everybody's just waiting for their chance to win the the slot machine resurrection or whatever they were comparing it to. And it was yeah. like, I, I, I remember specifically like Jack of Hearts got like, you know, the, the three apples or three peaches or whatever the fuck it was. And he's like, woo, I did it. You know? And I was just kind of like, okay, yeah, well, yeah. somebody has to, you know, write you or whatever, you know? But yeah. I don't, right. I don't, Someone's I, yeah, I don't rem- rescue you. I don't remember anybody trash, ever man. doing that. Nope. I think he's the only, what do you call it? He's the only, like, casualty from Avengers Disassembled that hasn't been resurrected. In fact, I think they even, like, made fun of that at some point. Like, Well, I mean, I guess if they stick him in a movie, they'll probably have reason to, but otherwise... Wasn't it like like in Avengers Academy or something where like I forgot like Stryker or someone was kind of like you know like all we're gonna do is like die and be buried like next to the Jack of Hearts or something? <laughs> like, it was a good line I remember. Yeah. Yeah. Later, Project Pegasus was working with a new material called Zero Point Energy, and this formed itself into a new Jack of Hearts, though he knew not who he was. So Jill Harper, a security officer with Pegasus, along with Lamar Hoskins, formerly a Bucky to Captain America but now calling himself Battlestar, helped to fully revive Jack, and with him now conscious, his story ends with them making out with each other. Jack of Hearts is such a cool character with a devoted, loyal following, even though he's been off the table for many years. It could be that his story has been told fully, or it could be, as Fred Hembeck once said, that Marvel's artists refused to draw Jack's intricate, complicated costume for panel after panel. But when he ultimately does show up, and he will, we'll be there to talk about him some more. Until then, that's a wrap on this one, my friends. Thank you for watching. Don't forget to subscribe, and you'll be one of the first to know when I upload videos just like this each and every week. I'm Jesse, this is JLS Comics, and I'll see you soon.